0: If you have sensitive skin, you'll understand just how difficult it is to find skincare that's active enough to spark change in the skin and gentle enough to prevent irritation. That struggle ends with tribe skincare. Tribe skincare isn't just suitable for sensitive skin, it's formulated specifically for sensitive skin. Tribe skincare is natural, super gentle, and anti inflammatory. And it contains all of the active ingredients that your skin needs in order for you to really see results. Tribe Skincare is also Australian made and they offer free express shipping throughout both Australia and New Zealand. Trial kits are available at www.tribeskincare.com.au and you can use code GLOWJOURNAL for 10% off site wide. Search Tribe Skincare on Instagram to check out before and after results from real customers. Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder of Tribe Skincare, Kayla Houlihan. Kayla Houlihan understands firsthand just how debilitating acne and inflammation can be to a person's confidence. It was her understanding of the impact skin health can have on one's confidence that led Kayla to study skin, and it's what drove her to want to help clients in clinic. The idea for Tribe Skincare came to Kayla whilst running her own skin clinic. Clients were presenting with all the signs of sensitive skin, and knowing just how many skin conditions come down to inflammation, Kayla wanted to recommend products to her clients that were suitable for sensitive skin, but still delivered results. What Kayla discovered is that people with sensitive skin had very few active options. Brands were creating simple cleansers and moisturizers suitable for sensitive skins, but there was almost nothing available that allowed those clients to reap the benefits of active ingredients without irritation. Kayla entirely self-funded Tribe, launching in 2017 with just four products. Well into the brand's first year on the market, Tribe skincare was bringing in over $90,000 per month. Last year saw Kayla and her team completely rebrand Tribe and shift the brand from being an e-commerce exclusive to being available in physical retailers. That rebrand saw a 20% increase in sales overall and a 500% increase in sales from one product in particular. And this year, Kayla launched Tribe's Vitamin C Serum, to a 50,000-person waitlist with one bottle selling every four minutes in its first 12 hours post-launch. In this conversation, Kayla shares her strategy on choosing the right influencers to partner with, why a rebrand can be a double-edged sword if you already have a loyal customer base, and the surprising findings that led the brand to stop paid advertising entirely. I understand that you were running a skin clinic in Geelong prior to founding Tribe, but I wanna rewind right back to the very beginning. What is your earliest memory of beauty?
1: I think my earliest memory of beauty or my first time going into a skin clinic was when I was a teenager and I had a terrible acne and mm-hmm. lots of blackheads. So my mum sent me into the skin clinic to have a deep cleanse and it was with extractions. Wow. So yeah, beauty therapists really got in there squeezing everything out of every single pore. Afterwards, I'm sure my skin was technically clean, but it was so red and inflamed. Oh and my school had a no makeup policy being a Mm -hmm. private school. So I went to school the next day with just the most red, raw, awful skin. And yeah, I guess the deep cleanse was meant to aesthetically make my skin look better, but definitely made it a lot worse. And I wasn't put onto any sort of skincare routine Mm. or anything like that. I think back then, like the education around skincare was really different. So Instead, I got put on the contraceptive pill to help Ah, with my skin. A quick fix. A quick fix. (laughs) And it definitely worked, Mm. but I'm glad that now there's so much more education around it and an alternative for teenagers who are having issues with their skin.
0: I completely agree. I mean, a couple of things from that. Firstly good foresight from your mum to actually send you into a skin clinic because at that time I was probably reading Dolly magazine and being like I'm just gonna mash up a banana and put some honey in it and then make a face mask (laughs) and then that'll absolutely do the trick but on I mean teenagers suffering with skin concerns it's a horrible feeling Mm. because you you can have one pimple and I remember walking into school being like this is all anyone's gonna see for the whole day and they're going to go home and they're gonna be like oh did you see Gemma's pimple today like it consumes you definitely it's when you're at your most self-conscious yeah what did you want to be when you grew up obviously you had a you know relationship with skin pretty early on but did you ever consider that that would be your career path
1: I don't think so. I don't think I ever knew exactly what I wanted to be when Mm -hmm. I grew up. The only consistency I can see from when I was a kid is that I always wanted to have my own business. Ah. So I was always coming up with all these crazy different ideas of what I would do if I was to have my own business. So yeah, when I look at it now, I'm not surprised that that's what I've done, um, but wouldn't have necessarily expected skincare to be that business. I think when I was studying beauty therapy and skin Mm. therapy, I was, very much wanting my own skin clinic which is what I did before having Tribe Um, but I didn't really see in that vision to have my own skincare brands that wasn't what I set out to do. I really wanted to help people in clinic with facial treatments and their at-home skin routines as well.
0: So what was it that led you to skin as a career? You've obviously studied dermal therapy but what was it that you wanted to do with that? What drew you to it? Definitely Seeing people's reaction
1: when Mm -hmm. they get results from whatever they're doing with their skin, I think you can see it when you, you know, compliment someone on their skin and you say, oh, you've got beautiful skin. You can really see like their eyes light up, their body Mm -hmm. language changes. Like it just makes such a big difference,
0: not just to someone's physical appearance, but of course to their confidence as well. Mm, Very much so. I would love to hear more about your time working in and obviously running the clinic what were some of the most common skin concerns that people were presenting with?
1: Anything that they can easily physically see on their skin. Mm -hmm. So people coming into the clinic, it would usually be for something like acne or anti-aging if they were concerned about wrinkles. And then as you sort of delve deeper when they were in the clinic, they would have other things they wanted to fix like redness or dry patches. So Mm. some of those easier ones to fix. No one ever comes into a skin clinic saying I've got sensitive skin and I want to fix it because it's not really a skin concern. It's more of a skin type. Yeah. But they were coming in to fix symptoms of sensitive skin. So definitely things like the redness and the dry flaky skin Mm -hmm. from their barrier being impaired. So I think, yeah, usually they would come for anti-aging or acne, but then we would kind of look at their skin as a whole and... Some of the easier ways you can, I guess, I don't want to say the word fix, but change someone's yeah. skin is to um, look at some of those things that they can see results within two to four weeks. Mm-hmm. So then they're going to continue with their routine.
0: I th- Just to digress for a moment, I think I'd be interested in your take. I think that that's kind of shifting now because once upon a time you would only go and see a skin specialist if there was something specific that you want to change. Whereas like you go, you know, to the doctor for a checkup, you go and get your hair trimmed because like, that's what you do. Whereas with skin, it was always like, oh, well, do I need to? But I think now people are going, okay, I just want healthy skin. And that's something that you do need help to maintain.
1: Very much. I think it's almost like the trends now is Mm. to have healthy glowing skin and they're That's what people are looking for when they go into a clinic. It's not about fixing your skin
0: and making it flawless. Mm. They just want it to be healthy and glowing. Hmm. Were there any major lessons that you took from that time when you were running the clinic that you find you're still applying to your work now?
1: Yeah, I think any business has transferable skills, but probably the main thing that I feel that I learned from running the clinic that I still do with Tribe Skincare is building relationships Mm. with the clients and customers. So it's very different. It used to be very face to face in the clinic and you were seeing the customers regularly and online it can feel really impersonal that essentially with a website, they can just be like a transaction that you don't actually know who that customer is or anything about their skin. Mm. So something we really focus on is building relationships with the customers. One way we do it is by having me as the face of the brand which is not something I set out to do, but I understand that people want to know who the skin therapist is mm-hmm. that's recommending the products and. I think, yeah, that's really helped to build the brand trust. And then the other way we build relationships with our customers is actually communicating with them all the time. So not just through posting on social media and them seeing the brand, but we actually talk to our customers behind the scenes. Mm So our DMs are just going off all day and we have staff that that's what they do. They respond to people's DMs and we always have customers saying oh it's so nice that you always reply and always help me and I think that has been a really important part of building the community
0: around the brand. At what point did you start to think about developing your own products what was the gap in the market that you wanted to fill? The gap
1: in the market was for skincare for sensitive skin, mm-hmm. but I wanted it to be, and what it really is, is a hybrid between like a super gentle, all-natural product, but it still has all of its actives like yeah. a cosmeceutical. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what makes Tribe Skincare so unique is it's really gentle, on sensitive skin, but still gets amazing results for the person using it. When we were working in the clinic, we had all cosmeceutical brands and we were looking for something that we could be really confident in Mm -hmm. saying this will work for sensitive skin. So the cosmeceutical brands, they might have said, we've got this product that's okay for sensitive skin and they can team it with this and this and that. And it was always quite confusing. It wasn't like this is... Sometimes they had like a small range for sensitive skin, Mm -hmm. but there was no brand that was fully formulating with sensitive skin in mind. So taking out all of the harsh chemicals, any common allergens, and really putting a lot of like anti-inflammatories in there that are really good for sensitive skin. So yeah, I was just looking for something on the market um, within Australia that I could retail in the clinic for an at-home skin routine and that's when i saw the big gap in the market mm. that i naively thought i could fill.
0: <laughs> oh there's something to be said about the power of naivety though <laughs> when you're yes, starting absolutely. a business. <laughs> i think if we all knew better no one would no one would do it. Mm. Um, just further to what you've said i think the other thing with sensitive skin types yes there are ranges where they'll say okay this couple of products are suitable for sensitive skin and then on the flip side there are products For sensitive skin but they're just kind of reduced to the simplest possible moisturizer and then those with sensitive skin don't have access to the active ingredients because they're like oh I better just stay away whereas tribe is this this balance between the two
1: for sure so we see it as rather than being suitable for
0: sensitive skin we're made for sensitive skin love it So where to from here? It's one thing to have this idea, and it sounds like it was a fully formed idea, but it's another thing entirely to say, I'm going to do it. So how did you go about finding the manufacturer, sourcing the packaging, even settling on a name? There are so many steps that come into play when you're starting a business.
1: Yeah, I think – When I look at Tribe Skincare now or when anyone does, they look at it and just think, how did you do that? But it really was just baby steps. So when I started, I only launched with four products. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was all I had to really focus on formulating and bringing to market. I was lucky working in the beauty industry. I guess I knew all of the jargon of who (laughs) I needed to ask for and who I needed to talk to, but then also had a lot of contacts in the industry as well. So I've always been really big on relationship building, Not just so that, you know, if you need someone, they're there to give Mm -hmm. you some advice, just like genuine relationships Mm. um, and people that you can kind of trust and fall on when you need. So I was um, put in contact with a cosmetic chemist who formulated the first four products. And yeah, it just all happened from there. I think I really just focused on those four products and the four formulas, Um, forgot about things like branding, marketing, (laughs) (laughs) what the packaging was going to look like, all of the really, really important stuff. Um, But yeah, at the time I just did, I guess, what I
0: knew and what Mm -hmm. I was capable of. I think formula first is an important thing because if you put all of this time and effort into the marketing, but then the products were crap, then where to from there? Yeah. It's probably the right move in the end. Another major part of launching a brand is funding. I read that you self-funded with an investment of around $20,000. I would love to hear more about this time. If you were to do it all again, would you do things the same way or differently in terms of investment and self-funding?
1: I think so. We started
0: with about $40,000. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Twenty into the brand and then twenty dollars is like... SOS. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Very
1: smart. Um, Of course, like if I had the opportunity, I would start any brands with a lot more money than that mm-hmm. so that you've got a bit of a backing behind you but looking back at it now I'm really glad that I did do it in a self-funded way like now we're five years down the track and I've never got a business loan so I've stayed really? self-funded yep all wow. through our growth everything I've been super careful with how I manage the yeah. business's funds um, and yeah we've managed to basically stay self-funded the whole way through so wow. never got investors on board I still own 100% of the company wow. and I'm glad that Because of the way it started that I was investing my own money, I think that really made me so careful with Mm. it. Because if you're putting $40,000 of your own money into it, you're going to treat that $40,000 very different to if it's an investor's money or money you've come
0: into easily. Mm. Yep, I completely get that. And particularly, like, you're still young. That's a lot of money for anyone. But at that time, it's like, okay... we're we're really doing this here we go yeah absolutely my partner and I had saved up a house deposit yep and that was my first thought I'm like yeah at that time any money that I had aside would have been for a house yeah
1: but I was like we can keep renting yeah We own our house now,
0: so it worked out well. It's clearly all turned out. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing that I found so interesting about your launch story is that you stayed in your existing job for a number of months after launching Tribe. I love this because I feel like a lot of people will say, like, you've just got to dive in head first, leave your old world behind and just commit 100% of your time to launching this new business but I, I don't know. I think there's a great deal of privilege involved with that because mm. you just don't know what's going to happen. I would love your take on that. Is that why that was your approach? I'm in two minds about it.
1: Mm-hmm. I definitely thought Tribe Skin Care was going to essentially be a si- side hustle to running the skin clinic. Interesting. And I think because I had spent three years building the skin clinic at the time, that was really my baby and mm-hmm. my focus. And then I thought – I need this brand for the clinic. yeah. So it was really about kind of enhancing what I was doing there. I very quickly learned that running two businesses is extremely difficult. I'm um, trying to sort of have your mind in both mm. and that tribe was just taking off so quickly. I was like, I need to see what I can do with this if I put my time into it. So I think friends and family thought I was absolutely crazy they're like what are you doing (laughs) you can't give up the clinic and Mm -hmm. what happens if this doesn't work out and I was like if it doesn't work out I'll get a job like I just have to try it um and luckily it did work out but I found as soon as I went full time with it within a month or two we were doubling and tripling the sales it's really when the brands took off because I guess I needed it
0: to, but also I had so much time to put Mm. into it it's so interesting I love the that period, the first couple of months of launching a brand, I feel like there's so many lessons to take from there. Mm. It was September, 2017 that you launched. How long did that process take? How long had you been working on it ahead of the launch?
1: So not that long. I started working on it at the start of that year. Okay. So it basically took nine months to get the four formulas together Mm -hmm. and we were working alongside, like all four of them were being developed alongside each Mm -hmm. other. Um, So yeah, it was actually quite quick. But then if I had of, if I was to do it again and, you know, invested my time into branding and marketing and coming up with a proper business plan, it would have taken a lot longer. (laughs) Eh. What
0: were those four products that you launched with?
1: Launched with a cleanser, exfoliant, day moisturizer and night moisturizer. Mm -hmm. So none of those four products currently exist in the range. Mm -hmm. Um, There's products that are similar, but everything has now been, you know, renamed, um, reformulated. And that was purely because at the time... I don't even think I knew what an MVP was, like a minimum viable product. (laughs) Um, But that was essentially what I did. I thought that's sort of all I can afford to produce Mm. and I'll put them out into the market and see what people think and see how they go. And then from there, we got a lot of feedback from customers, like just an example with the cleanser. People were like, I love that it's so balmy and creamy and beautiful and sensitive skin, but it's not taking off my makeup properly. Mm -hmm. So then we go back to the drawing board and find a way to keep all the parts people love about it but add in a few extra ingredients to help remove their makeup and then that's the product that exists now that I am obsessed with (laughs) completely obsessed with it
0: it's so nice you've given me a perfect segue because I mean it was kind of when you put it like that it was kind of a soft launch it was bringing these products to market with the intention of receiving feedback so you could kind of bring it back refine it go for it again You've given an example of the feedback on the cleanse up, but what was the the overall response on launch? Were people snapping up everything or was it more of a slow burn?
1: Definitely people were snapping everything up. Love that. Yeah, I think um, that was almost just like my stroke of luck. I don't think I was particularly business savvy five years ago, but the because I did put so much effort into those formulas and really making sure they were made for mm. sensitive skin, people got the most incredible results from them. And if someone with sensitive skin discovers something, they go and tell all their friends and family.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, we
1: had really rapid growth right from the beginning, even when I didn't really have a whole lot of marketing budget behind the brand.
0: Were those early customers, were they clients you were working with in clinic or did they come through social or a bit of both? The
1: clients who I was working with in clinic, they helped a lot with um, testing the products and that sort of thing. And they were definitely the first adapters of the brand because it was um, so easy to, I guess, get them to use it because they already trusted me as Mm. their skin therapist. And they knew I had developed this specifically for sensitive skin for the clients in the clinic that had sensitive skin. And then um, I started learning about things like minimum order quantities and <laughs> that I was going to have to kind of expand from there. Like you can't have a brand that's sold in one skin clinic mm. in Australia. It just doesn't really work that way. So I took the brand to Instagram and that was probably a little bit more of a slow burn because you have to get people's eyes on the brand. I think that really took off still my favourite brand marketing we ever did to date was our partnership with Brittany Saunders yes. who was one of the biggest beauty influencers mm. at the time. We were so lucky that she tried the brand and genuinely loved it and we worked together for years. So I think having Brittany Saunders she was so trusted in the beauty mm. community and having her as she was almost like the face of the brand at the time because mm. um, we were doing so much work with her that really helped us to get
0: the brand out there on social media. I would love to talk more about your approach to social media because when you were working with Brittany, that was certainly when I first heard of the brand. How would you describe your approach to social media and how did you go about choosing the right person or people that were aligned with what you were doing?
1: Our approach to social media is very much just that where you're yeah. – friendly approachable Mm -hmm. best friend who's there to talk to you about skincare I think that's why Brittany was such a perfect ambassador for us because that's exactly the way that she speaks to her followers as well that she's just your best friend Mm. and yeah I think that's really like our brand's personality has changed a bit over the five years but we've always kind of stayed true to that that we're not a brand even though there is the science there to back the products we don't talk about that because our customers are quite entry level into skincare and they're happy to know what the ingredient is and what it's going to do for their skin but they don't necessarily want to know if it's going to reach the dermal layers of their skin and change the matrix of it and Mm -hmm. all of that like we keep our language very much in layman's terms and yeah I think that helps keep us really approachable so we can educate the customer without really like you know, putting all this information. Terrifying Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a very overwhelming thing mm. when you're coming into the skincare world. So I think we definitely try to make it um, less overwhelming mm. for them.
0: Well, that strategy clearly worked as Tribe was reportedly bringing in something to the tune of $90,000 a month well within that first year. Mm. Were you prepared for that level of Of growth or did that present any challenges in so far as like stock levels and just managing expectations definitely stock levels um was a huge challenge Mm -hmm. and still is to this day five years down
1: the track i mean we do all of the forecasting and management we can do and we just can never get it right because (laughs) the problem with skincare if something's sold out people need to go to something else or they need an alternative in the meantime. And people with sensitive skin are of course, extremely anxious if they have to go to something Mm. else. So it's like, if our cleanser's out of stock, They don't know what else they can use and they don't want to risk trying another brand in case it sensitizes their skin again. So we've got to be super careful to keep stock, enough stock of everything. But at the same time, because the brand's all natural and free of all your Mm. preservatives and parabens, it doesn't have a three-year shelf life like other brands. So we've still got to produce batches regularly so we can keep the products really fresh. So I think five years down the track. I thought we had found the balance. Like we were um, pretty good. We hadn't had out of stocks in like over six months. And then like the last three months, the brand has just blown up again. And we were out of stock of like almost the whole website. Um, But luckily we manufacture in Australia. So we've got like fairly quick turnaround times and we just have to be super reactive to it and go, okay, our cleanser selling double as many as it Mm. usually does. We need to produce a bigger batch and yeah, just
0: be very agile. I mean, not the worst problem to have, but uh, so true—a <laughs> complication nonetheless. <laughs> yes. Until fairly recently, which we will get to, Tribe was exclusively sold online via your e-commerce platform. Given that beauty is such a tactile, physical thing, did that present any challenges, or did you find that being solely digital worked in your favour?
1: It definitely worked in our favor in terms of it's not a complicated structure. So I think with everything, I always try to simplify. Sometimes you get a bit messy in business and you've got all these different things going on and you can't put your focus into 10 different things Mm. at once. So it was kind of good that our focus was purely online and we're looking at online marketing strategies and Um, Yeah, I think it was a huge advantage in that way. But in hindsight, now that we have gone into stores and people can touch and feel, we've had a huge boost in sales Mm. from that. So I always saw it as we've got trial kits online. Yes. um, Where people purchase the trial kit and try the routine at home for about six to eight weeks. They've been super effective and really, um, I guess, prevented that barrier of people Mm. not being able to try it. Um, And it's always good with skincare. You do want to try it for a few weeks and see how it goes rather than touching and feeling once in store. But yeah, I think um, it's definitely bringing something new to the business Mm. that now five years later, it is available in stores.
0: Love it. Let's talk about the great rebrand of 2021. You rebranded and relaunched Tribe last year. And within two months, if research serves me, you experienced a 20% increase in sales overall and a 500% increase in sales from one product in particular. Mm. What led you to that rebrand? It was clearly the right decision, but what did you want to do and what were your non-negotiables?
1: So we had three main purposes of the Mm -hmm. rebrand. One was to make the brands more sustainable. Because our customers were begging for that. So we wanted everything to be in a recyclable packaging. Mm -hmm. Um, We wanted the outside of the bottle to reflect the quality of the inside of the bottle. It's very chic. Yeah. It's
0: so (laughs) nice.
1: (laughs) That's what we're going for. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think the previous packaging just, it was almost like people were surprised. It was good. Because it didn't necessarily (laughs) look like it was going to be amazing. And then they were like, oh, this skincare is actually really good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's a problem because we need people to look at the packaging and know how good it's going to be. So that was the second purpose. And then the third purpose of the rebrand was to get retail ready. So we're imagining what that product would look like on a shelf. And if someone walked over and picked up that that product off the shelf, what does it communicate? So making sure that we have our brand values actually printed onto the packaging Mm. because they're not necessarily coming from our Instagram or website anymore. The non-negotiable was that the formulas didn't change. Yes. And we never had any intentions of it, but it was just interesting. We were really trying to hype the Mm rebrand. And this was sort of in the thick of COVID when lockdowns were going on and we're like, guess what? We've got something really exciting. Like we're making huge changes Mm -hmm. here at Tribe Skincare, thinking people would be excited. And it backfired so bad. Oh, my God. All of our customers were like, I don't want changes. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing to the formulas? Is my skin going to react to it? And like, we're really concerned about it. So then we had to completely change the rebrand to make sure we were communicating that none of the formulas were changing. It was just the look of the brand. So I think our slogan was new look, same Same results or something like that. I can't remember. It was four words. um, But the whole purpose of that slogan was just to communicate. We're not changing the formulas. It's purely going to be the look of the brand. And then the customers got around it a bit more, but they were still nervous. Oh my God. So we were like, this brand looks epic. Like when this hits the market, people are going to absolutely love it. But yeah, it was really interesting to see that like people weren't that excited for the rebrand.
0: Mm. God, I mean it speaks volumes about the products though that people with that like do not change a thing. This is what my skin likes. Don't you dare. But at the same time when you put that much time and effort into like, okay, this is the rebrand strategy for people to then start panicking.
1: Yeah. Good Lord. I guess it just shows people with sensitive skin, like if they find
0: something that works for their skin,
1: they do not want to change. They're on it for life. So we have very loyal
0: customers because Mm. of that. Which is a very nice thing. Yeah. Am I right in saying that around the time of the rebrand, you pretty dramatically changed the way that you were advertising as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we kept all of our brand values so that all the products would be all natural, vegan friendly, made in Australia. Mm -hmm. We bought on the brand value of being pregnancy safe as well. Um, Even though the products already were, it wasn't necessarily something that was in our marketing. Mm. So that's just to make it really clear if anyone is pregnant or breastfeeding, they can come to the range and use any product. product in the whole range Mm -hmm. just like how people with sensitive skin can come to us for any products and in terms of the way we advertise so we actually have stopped paid ads Mm -hmm. which is pretty crazy for e-commerce brands because we are e-commerce first before we went into retail but I think It's just so different now and what we were doing five years ago isn't necessarily going to work now. Sure. So things like someone, you know, scrolling on their Facebook and seeing an ad for Tribe Skincare, if they've never heard of the brand, that wasn't converting for us. Mm -hmm. So I think... When we're not doing paid advertising, we had to really like nut out what our organic strategy is and really go back to the basics of who's our customer, where are they shopping, how do we get to them, how do we communicate to them? And now our organic social media strategy is just a lot stronger. We're actually getting better results than we were getting when we had paid advertising going.
0: Wow. That, I mean, surprising. Yeah. But on paper, you would think the opposite. But. Yes,
1: absolutely. Wow. Yeah, it's been a really interesting learning curve. Mm. Um, I guess it just goes to show that it showed us what's working. So yeah. if you're doing 20 different um, avenues of advertising, you just think all 20 might be working a little bit. But take away 15 of them and then you might Ta-da. learn that your five that you've got
0: are actually what's converting customers. God, so interesting. God, mm. That many tidbits in here another major change that you've made that we have touched on is moving away from being exclusively e-commerce to being physically available through major beauty retailers what was it that prompted that shift and how did you go about making it happen
1: the rebrand definitely prompted that so yep. with one of the things we we're trying to achieve was getting the brand's retail ready knowing that eventually we would be going into stores I obviously left it a very long time waiting till to- <laughs> Four years until I did it. You made sure that (laughs) customer base was as loyal as possible. I think that's helped us so much though because we were exclusively online um, and we've always said no to any retailer that has come to us. Now we're saying yes. And the good thing is because the rebrand has got the brands looking Mm. so chic for going in store, um, it looks amazing on shelves. So it's definitely made life easier that when we did open up to wholesale, um, we've had really great success with it.
0: Earlier this year, you launched a vitamin C serum to a 50,000-person-long wait list, which brought in something to the tune of $13,000 within 12 hours, one serum selling every four minutes, I think. Mm -hmm. How does that new product development process work for you? Are you constantly thinking about what might come next? Are you working off consumer demand or is it a bit of both?
1: Definitely consumer demand. Yeah. So we say that we're an anti-trend company. Yes. So I'm never looking at the trends and thinking, what are we gonna do next if you know a particular product's trending in beauty? Doesn't matter. Yeah. If it's trending three years later, then I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think we wanna have a very small essential range. And really we're encouraging people using Tribe Skincare to use less on their skin. So if we're releasing a product, it's hanging around for the next five to ten or more years um, rather than, you know, releasing something. If it's not selling 12 months later, discontinue it. Like Mm -hmm. we really want um, people to have a long-term relationship with the skincare. Mm -hmm. So very much about customer demand. And the vitamin C just came from... People, obviously we didn't invent vitamin C in skincare. Lots of people use a vitamin C serum. But, of course, our customers, being that they have sensitive skin, react to vitamin C serum. A
0: tricky ingredient to formulate with at the best of times. But when it's specifically for people with reactive skin...
1: Yeah. And then we still want to get amazing results too. Mm. So we need to make sure there's enough vitamin C in there to really change their skin. So I think that's really where that came from. We thought we need to do a vitamin C serum, but do it for people with sensitive skin. And Mm. that's basically any product we've come up with. It's been customer demand. They tell us exactly what they want for sensitive skin, and then we go away and create it.
0: Amazing. You have sat at the helm of Tribe Skincare since 2017 and have obviously been a part of the beauty industry for over a decade. Over the last, we'll narrow it down to a few years, over the last few years, what are some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry?
1: So skincare is currently the fastest growing category in the beauty industry. Yeah,
0: Which probably doesn't surprise you. I mean, not after COVID it doesn't because I feel like everyone was just brought it right back to okay I've got nothing to do let's focus on skincare
1: for a bit very much and that's really when everything changed Mm -hmm. so if you look back at beauty from five years ago it was all about the beauty influencers on YouTube and that using as many products as possible so people doing beauty hauls and saying this is the 20 products I'm using Mm -hmm. on my skin every day now it's the complete opposite so rather than people trying to do like contouring like the Kardashians the current trend is like Hailey Bieber's beautiful glassy Mm. dewy skin and megan markle's freckles they're probably like the two biggest skin influences at the moment um and that's what everyone's wanting is that really natural healthy beautiful Mm. glowing skin so they don't have to cover it with makeup and people are essentially wearing less makeup but putting a lot more time Mm. and effort into their skincare routines, so that their skin is healthier
0: Mm. what changes do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the coming few years
1: the biggest change and it's been a long time coming is sustainability yep and i really think if brands aren't taking it seriously now they're going to be irrelevant in a few years because customers are absolutely demanding it Mm. it's not an option anymore it's just like you need to be doing everything you can across your whole production line to be as sustainable as possible and really communicating with your customer changes you're making um i think they see straight through greenwashing yeah so it's got to be really genuine and they are very forgiving like they understand Mm. the whole world's not going to change overnight but yeah making sure sustainability is a key
0: focus you're right in that they see through greenwashing i look at um I mean, Kim Kardashian with the refillable skincare stuff that she was doing, but it was just putting another packet in (laughs) another packet, you can be the most followed person in the world and people are still going to be like, no, this is not sustainable. Absolutely. People pull you up on it. Yeah, which is good. Definitely. Accountability. My final question, what is next for Tribe Skincare?
1: This is a hard one because it's never a super exciting answer so oh, I'll be excited by whatever you say. Okay <laughs> so along the whole five-year journey there's obviously been opportunities for things that I guess people consider exciting like international expansion mm-hmm. but I've never been interested in that because I think the skincare is Australian ingredients it's Australian made for Australian people. Mm-hmm. My idea of expansion was going into New Zealand so yep. now we're available in Australia and New Zealand but I think it's been my approach the whole time along is really um i think joe Horgan, the founder of Mm -hmm. mecca said it about going narrow and going deep instead of trying to go wide and have a million things going on you can't go as deep so very much like i think we have a lot more we can achieve here in australia Mm -hmm. um and that's what we want to focus on is just reaching as many people with sensitive skin as possible
0: that was Kayla Houlihan, founder of Tribe Skincare, which you can find on Instagram at tribe Skincare. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at GemKWatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.